Um, but So if you've got a couple pieces of paper in your Bible, um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this evening. Matthew 4 is where we'll start off. Once you get there, we're also going to be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And then also John chapter 4. So Matthew 4 is where we're going to be at for the most part, um, is where the scripture is. John chapter 1, John chapter 4, so it's not too hard for you guys. And um, we're not in Genesis tonight. I was going to make a joke that Pastor Carl shaved his beard and this is what he looks like now, stuff like that, but um, it was too easy, so... I don't go for easy, I go for something a little bit more of substance there. Hey, I'm also the principal here at the school. I know many of you know that already, and I just wanted to thank all of you who came out and supported the Bonanza this weekend, Saturday. Um, one, just from the school part, thank you so much for doing that. I know most of you don't have kids that go here, um, but I saw a lot of our church family here, um, and it was just really sweet to see you guys there supporting us, and it was just a tremendous event um, for you guys that were there. I know that you enjoyed it, especially if you have kids and all. Um, so thank you so much for that, and um, look forward to next year. If you didn't make it, um, it's something that maybe you want to try to make it out to as well, too. We food trucks, we had different rides, um, we had a jail that we were throwing people into and stuff like that. So they were trying to get it to me to do the dunk tank, and I'm like, new administration, we're not doing a dunk tank because I don't want to be there the entire time where everybody's trying to throw me in the water. So, But, um, but thank you guys very much because I know um, it just meant a lot to the school, and we really appreciate that as well, too. So. Um, let's go ahead and pray first, and, uh, and then we'll start from there. <clears throat> Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for just the, in the incredible privilege of just being able to um, share your word, Lord. Um, Father, something that you have laid on my heart for this evening, I pray that, um, that you would remove me and my thoughts and ideas and words, Lord, and that it would truly be your word um, and your heart that would come forth this, this evening. Um, Lord, wherever that we're at, um, many times as I pray, Lord, there's some that are coming in here today just needing, needing you. They're just at that point in their life where it's, um, there's just a lot going on. And Father, they, they need to be touched by you this evening. Um, Lord, some of us have got just things that are still going on in our mind and our brain, and we're having a hard time turning that off this evening. And I pray that you would help them to do that too, Lord, as they have come in through the doors of the sanctuary, that they are in the sanctuary now, Lord, that they're in your presence that they're able to just to come before you and that, Lord, that you're able to calm their nerves and calm their hearts and calm their mind, Lord. For some of us, maybe this evening, we've, we're on cloud nine again. Things are going wonderful in our life. We are just, everything is great. Um, Lord, speak to us as well. Father, continue to touch us. Continue to help us to strive to be more and be all that you have, um, have a desire for us to be in our lives, Lord. And Father, we just want to meet you this evening. We want your word to speak to us. Lord, we know that your word doesn't come back void, and that's what we're asking for tonight, God. And um, Father, we pray for all the different ministries, the children's, the youth, um, the different classes that are going on this evening as well, too, that you would just continue to bless them and the teachers there tonight as well. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, so before we get started, so we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 4 this evening. I know you guys are Bible scholars, so you kind of know where we're at this evening. We know what's coming up. But also, just to kind of give us an idea of kind of where we're moving into in this chapter as well, too. So Matthew chapter 1 and 2, um, we have Jesus' birth. 
And so as we're getting ready to come into the Christmas season, um, you'll hear a lot of Jesus' birth. You'll hear a lot of great hymns that probably before you were a Christian didn't mean a whole lot to you. They were just hymns that you had to sing at a, Christmas, at, a, at a family event or you heard it on TV, things like that, and you're like, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. You get saved, and then all of a sudden those words mean something to you. You're like, that is incredible. It's, like a, it's almost like a, a message within the song, and you're, just, you just, you're like, yeah, can we read, you know, sing all four stanzas, not just the first and the third one. Like, can we read? These, these are incredible. This, it's wonderful. So as we move into the upcoming months, um, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, we're going to be talking about that probably here at the church as well, too. Matthew 3, we're introduced to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, as many of you know, is his cousin. Um, and John the Baptist, as you guys have heard that, he's out there. He's, he's baptizing people. He's, he's working in these different people's lives. He's, he's preparing the way for Jesus. Um, and, and then later, we're, he's actually going to baptize um, Jesus in this chapter as well, too. Um, that was part of what he had to do. And so we, as we then move into chapter 4, Jesus has already been baptized. Now we have the temptation of Christ, where he goes out um, for the, the time to not eat, um, and then he is tempted by Satan in three different ways, which again, we could have talked on that tonight as well, too. We're not going to. Um, and, but, but then Jesus then begins to teach, and even declaring in verse 17, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, kind of in a way is that the, the, the ministry of Jesus Christ is, is going to start at this point. Now he's ready to get going. Things are lined up for him to get going here. And, and that's where his ministry is going to start. And so we pick up in verse 18 of chapter four here. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going out from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And so when you listen to that, you, you probably think that, man, this is pretty amazing. These, these four men are just standing on the shore, and then Jesus just walks up to them and says, hey, follow me. And they're like, I've never seen this guy before. Let me just drop my nets and I'm just gonna follow him. But that's not really the way that it happened. You know, the first time I read through it this years ago, that's how I thought that it happened. But the rest of the story in, in honor of Paul Harvey is, is that you have to go back to John chapter one. So if you can, shoot over to John chapter one for me. You should have a piece of paper there. John chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 35. And as you're turning there, you need to understand a couple things, too. Why were these men looking for Jesus? Why would somebody like that look for Jesus? Where well, they're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the anointed one, okay? And so they, I don't want to, again, I don't want to go into too much of this because we're going to start talking about Christmas time and prophecies, and, and I really believe that we're going to be talking about that coming up in December from what I understand. So I don't want to get too much into that, but the Old Testament is just, there's so many prophets, prophetic statements about the Messiah, about the Christ who is going to come, that that's what the Jewish people were looking for. Again, you have to understand that they're under Roman control at this point, and they are looking for this promised king that is going to come, and that's going to, is going to save them from where they're at, from the, the bondage that they're under, and, and just, can we please have our king that comes and rescues us from this? So the Jewish people are continuing to look forward to when is that coming guy coming? When is the Savior coming? When is the Christ coming? When is that Messiah coming? 
And that's what they're continuing to look for. So any good Jewish person who's gone through synagogue and gone through the, the teachings, they're, they're continuing to be looking forward of when that promise is going to come. Israel was under great persecution, and what they were looking for is they were looking for a promised king to give them physical freedom. And as we're going to learn tonight, that Jesus was going to offer them so much more than just a physical freedom. So starting in verse 35 here in chapter 1, it says, And again, the next day, John the Baptist, here it doesn't say that, but that's who it is, stood with his two, two of his disciples. Now you have to understand, John was a teacher too. And so at that time, you would have had disciples, people who would be underneath you if you were a teacher. And he had these two people that were going to be there. We're going to be introduced to them here in a second. And he says, looking at Jesus, he, as he walked by, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They're like, wow, I need to go and watch this guy here. And then Jesus turned, and seeing them following him, he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And, and they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day, and now it was about the 10th hour. And so we see here that John the Baptist had, had his two disciples. It's, it's John, the writer of this book here. Um, and we also see in verse 40 that it's also Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. We heard of him back in Matthew chapter 4 as well, too. And they were disciples of John the Baptist. And, and as they follow him, Jesus turns around and he sees them walking there. And he says, hey, you know, what are you doing? And they're like, hey, you know, like, where do you stay at? And so they're not asking like, hey, we want to go move there. It's kind of like today, it'd be like, hey, you want to go to a Starbucks and grab a cup of coffee? You know, we've got some questions to ask you. And so they don't have a Starbucks. And so they says, well, you know, why don't you come to the Koinonia bar over here and grab a coffee and we'll go back to my house and we can sit there and we can ask questions and we can have a time to talk. And so they show up and they spend most of the day with him. And I'm sure just, can you imagine the conversation that they get to have with Jesus? So here's a couple guys that have been looking for Christ their whole life. They're underneath John the Baptist. John the Baptist is obviously being moved by the Lord to do the things that he is doing. And their, their teacher says, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And they immediately follow him and they're like, man, we have got some questions for you. They sit there the whole day and Jesus just continues to pour out an answer and answer and answer. It's just amazing to be able to do that. And maybe we can relate to that, you know, to these future disciples of where they were at. Maybe tonight you've been looking for that thing that's in your life as well, too. You're looking for that thing that's just going to rescue you from wherever you've been kind of chasing in your life to be able to fill that void of what only Christ is able to fill. You've been fighting and looking, and you're looking for what your Messiah is. Maybe you're here, and it's the first time that you've been here. Maybe it's the 70th time that you've been here. You're like, Kevin, there's just something in my life that's missing that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that thing. I've been chasing for it. And I've been studying. I've been, I've been wondering where it is. And I tell you tonight, it's, it's Jesus. And maybe you've, you've, you've followed him and, and maybe you remember a time when, when after looking your whole life that you, you actually came in contact with Jesus and you're like, man, this is, this is it. I've got Christ in my life now. And, and, and you find out that answer that you've been looking for. Well, he continues on in verse 40, and he says, one of, the two, one of the two heard John speak, and he followed him, and this was Andrew, who I'd mentioned before, Simon Peter's brother, and he first found his own brother in Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And he brought him back to Jesus, and now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are the Simon, the son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, 
And again, this is amazing because they, they come in contact with Jesus and, 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 and after spending that time with him, the first thing that they can think of is, I've got to go grab my brother. I've got to go find my family and tell them, look, I, I, I found him. I found the one that I've been looking for my entire life and, and, and he, he's here and, and, and I just spent the day with him and we were able to ask questions and we were able to have conversation with him and, and Christ told me all these things. It's amazing. Peter, you've got to go meet this guy. And, and they race over there and, and Peter's able to spend time with him as well. It's interesting. One of the things that I, I th- thought of immediately as I was studying this is I was, was thinking about the woman at the well If you want to turn over to John chapter 4 real quick, John chapter 4, verse 19 is where we'll start. The backstory is the woman at the well there, she's she's a Samaritan, and it's a hot part of the day, and and so Jesus is with the disciples. They're heading to a different area, and so he sends them off to town to get some food. He's there. Samaritan woman walks up, you know, coincidence, of course, and, and he says, hey, can you get me some water? And they have a dialogue, and she's like, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. And, and at that time, there was a huge conflict between Jews and the Samaritan people. The Samaritan people were a mixed race. The Jews didn't think that they were of any value. They were kind of like dogs to them and, and didn't, didn't think they were worthy to be able to be a part of them. So she's looking at this going, you know, you're a Jewish guy. Why are, one, you're a guy, too, and you're talking to me. Why, why are you doing this? And so Jesus starts this dialogue with her, and he eventually tells her, look, if you're, you, know, you really knew who I was talking, who was talking to you, you'd have a different understanding of, of who I am. And so they continue, and she's like, you know, well, you know, what is this that you're promising me? And then and the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, she says that because he just told her, hey, why don't you uh, go, go get your husband and have him come back? And she's like, well, I've had five husbands, or he says, you've had five husbands, and, and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. And that's why she says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. And he goes on, and he says, our, she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and, and you Jews say that in, the Jerusalem, that, that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking, seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know, again, searching for the Messiah. All these people are doing one thing. They're looking for the Messiah. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. It's an amazing statement. If you were sitting there, you'd have goosebumps on you right now. She heard that statement. Again, I'm, I'm waiting for the Messiah. And here's this prophet who is meeting all the things that I can't believe that he knows what he knows. Could he be the Messiah? The disciples with impeccable timing come up at this point when they're having this incredible conversation. And at this point, the disciples came and they marveled. They're like, what is he talking to her? What do you seek? Is there something that we missed? Well, it's amazing Then in verse 28, it says, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? See, the incredible thing about this woman, again, too, is that the reason that she's at getting water in the middle of part of the day when it's the hottest part of the day is because having had five husbands and not 
currently been living with somebody that's not her husband, she really didn't have relationships with any of the other women in the city. So therefore, she's there by herself. She's on her own up there. It's hot part of the day. And so she's probably ostracized by the entire city. She meets Jesus. And the only thing that she went there for was water. And it says right here that she left her water pot. Now you read these, these commentators, and, and maybe they're right, because they're probably a lot smarter than I am, and I agree with that too, but, but they say that, that she left a water pot just in case Jesus needed some water. I think that you missed the entire part of the conversation that he had before. I think she left the water because she didn't care about the water anymore. She couldn't believe that she had met Jesus. She couldn't believe that she had met the Messiah. And then to the point where she goes back to a town that doesn't have any conversation with her, they've ostracized her, but because of the unbelievable belief that she has met the Messiah, I've got to go back to the city and tell them that this is him. And the city comes out, they talk to Jesus, and then he spends several days there with them, continuing to, to minister to them. And, and, and again, it's, it's an amazing thing that when you have met the Messiah, things change. When you have met Jesus in your life, things change. And again, it doesn't mean that you're going to, again, as I joke about it, it doesn't mean you're gonna live on siesta, it doesn't mean you're gonna have a Porsche. I mean, those things would be wonderful. That's not the things that we are worried about once you come in contact with who Jesus is. You leave your water pot. Those things don't matter anymore. I want to tell others about who Christ is. I want to tell others what, what Jesus has done in my life and how he's changed, not just my eternity, but he's changed this life. There's a purpose that happens. There's a desire in my heart that happens. There's, there's things that I do now in my life that I never would have done before. There's compassion that I have for people. There's, there's love that I have for people. There's love that I have for my enemies that I didn't have before. Why? Because I understand what Christ has given to me that I didn't deserve. Well, then how can I play any other part then than to continue that ministry to be able to move forward? So in John chapter 1, Jesus is calling them and telling them, and, and they have a conversation with him, and he's kind of bringing them into part-time ministry is what's happening. And, and so they're, 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 they're believers now of who Christ is, but, but things are going to change. And tonight, maybe you've come in contact with your Savior, and, and I hope so, and I hope that's what has happened to you, but I know that the disciples did. So now let's go back to Matthew chapter 4, now that we understand the context of where we're at within this as well, too. So Matthew chapter four, verse 18, three things that I see in the area of scripture that we'll talk about tonight. The first thing is that they, they saw Jesus, okay? We see that in verse 18, it says, and, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Again, this is about one year later from when they had originally met him. And, and, and I really think that right, sitting right there, they're, they're probably on the seashore and they're working but, but I, in my mind, it isn't saying scripture, you can throw it out if you want to. I, I think that they're looking down the beach going, man, is that Christ? Is that Jesus? Peter, is, is, that, is that him? And Andrew, I, I think it is him. Man, what, what are we gonna do? And what, what if Christ comes up today? What if today's the day that he comes up to us and he says, hey, are you, are, are you guys ready? Peter, Peter, are you, are you, are you gonna do it? Are, are you gonna follow? Are, you, are, we gonna do, are we really gonna do this? Are we gonna walk away? Are we gonna, are we gonna follow Christ today? In verse 19, he moves on and says, and then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of, me, of men. 
follow me. It means to, to come hither. It, it's, it's to come here. It's to, it's to come after me and to be my disciples. I can promise you that, that Peter and Andrew didn't need to have a definition. They understood exactly what, Peter, what, what Jesus was saying them. And as they, walked, as they watched him walk up towards them and move forward to him, they're, they're sitting there and they're just trying to make a decision like, is, is this really what we're going to do? And I, we followed this guy for about a year now. I, I mean, he, he, he is the one. It's, it's Christ. And guys, tonight is the night that you're supposed to follow Christ. Tonight, maybe you're sitting here, and I know it's a Wednesday night, but maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, I, I don't have that relationship with Christ, Kevin. I, I don't have salvation. I've, I've heard the story. I've been to church before. I've probably, maybe you've been here on several Wednesday nights, and I just, I just haven't made that commitment. Can I tell you, today is the day of salvation. And I would say even right now, we would stop service. If you wanted to come forward, you could just accept Christ right now, and that would happen. We'd cancel the rest of the service. We'd go over to the youth group and have a big worship party, and, and it would be wonderful. But today is the day of salvation. Don't, don't take a chance that you're gonna leave and that, oh, Kevin, I'll, I'll do it Sunday when Carl's there, and, or I'll do it another day. I've got plenty of time, man. I'm only whatever age. Tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe this evening you're, you're lukewarm, and you're, Kevin, what, what does lukewarm mean? Well, it means that you, you kind of know Christ, and you're kind of doing your thing, and you're kind of moving through life, and things are okay, you know, but, but maybe you're in a, a little bit of a rut. Maybe you're, you're following Christ, but you're like, yeah, I come on Wednesdays. I got good food. Shepherd's pie is nice, and, and the cake was really good tonight, and I enjoy the worship. I kind of meet, like meeting different people, and we have good conversations, but, but man, I'm not really doing anything spiritually. Not really invested. Can I give you a story? Myself, it happened a long time ago at this point because I'm getting old, but um, I went to Russia um, back in, my goodness, it seems like forever at this point, but back in like 91 or 92. Um, and um, I think Putin was probably still in charge at that point. Who knows? But, um, but I was in Russia at that time and, and it was an amazing trip and you know, ended up meeting one of my best friends on that trip and had always dreamed, you know, I grew up in the Cold War age, so you, know, you always wanted to kind of see what Russia was like and went to Moscow. And so it was amazing. And so we had this trip and so you're meeting all these different people that you, know, you were brought up to hate by the government and you get there and these people are just absolutely wonderful. You know, I mean, it's just some of the sweetest people that you ever would have met in your entire life. And so we're sitting there, we're having conversations and dialogues. And then we had gone and saw the Red Square that day, that afternoon. It was incredible to see that as well. So St. Basil's Church and all. And so that night, you know, they had told us, hey, look, when you guys leave, you need to leave with an interpreter. Don't leave, you know, just Americans. You have to have an, an interpreter with you. Um, so good fashion of Americans, we decided, hey, we're going to go out on our own. We had a guy that had been there for a while, and he was like, I think we can get down there. And we're like, let's go. And so just Americans, you know, stupid Americans, you're going down there. So we get on their, their subway system that they have, um, and we get down to St. Basil's, and we're just getting ready. I'm like, oh, I think I know where I'm at. We can go down the street. And we get to Red Square, okay, and every day, evidently things after nine shut down there. And so all the lights are off, okay? So it's like Black Square. Okay? <laughs> it's not really Red Square at that point. So it's, it's, it's sad. And so you've done all these things. You're going to get in trouble when you get back, and you're not even getting the benefit of getting to see Red Square. And so there was four or five of us, and we just kind of split up and walked on our own and headed towards the 
the bridge down to Moscow, I think it's a Moscow River. And so we're walking that way just individually. And I tell you, it was not an audible voice, but I can tell you it was the Lord who just knocked on my heart and just told me, Kevin, when are you gonna give me your whole heart? Because see, I had been that person. I had been kind of in the church and so going out with my friends on Fridays and Saturdays and, and then feeling miserable Saturday night because I know that what I had done and then Sunday morning, I know that I had what I had done the night before and you just were never comfortable because I just hadn't given my heart completely to Christ. I was saved, and, but, but I, was, I was lukewarm. I was of no value to the Lord at all and I was just going through the motions of life and it was a point where the Lord just said, Kevin, I can bring you to Red Square and then it started to snow. And I am from Florida. I had never seen snow before. So my first snowfall was in the Red Square. And God said, I can bring you here to see your first snowfall. What else can I do in your life? And I was like, Lord, that's whatever you want. You know, came back, the old friends were gone, not going out to those different places anymore. I'm gonna get more involved in my church at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Met a whole new friend group and things completely changed within my life. Well, why do I say that to you? Are you that person tonight? Are you somebody that just needs to finally be like, you know what, I need to commit. I need to get rid of the, the, the movies that I'm watching and the jokes that I'm telling and the language that I use and the alcohol that I'm drinking and, and the things that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. Are, are, are you willing to finally say, Lord, just take it. I don't want it anymore. Is that you tonight? The same thing. Then come up afterwards and let's pray. If it's the first time salvation, come forward. You want to recommit your life tonight? Come forward. Maybe you're like Peter and, 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 and Andrew. You're, you're fishing. You're throwing your cast out there. You know, but, but you're just maybe not with the same heart. You're kind of going through the motions and you're just, you haven't really committed everything to it. You see, we can go through Christian life and, and just go through the motions. You know, we live in America and right now living in America is pretty incredible depending that doesn't depend on any political affiliations that you have as you see that there's war everywhere in the world right now. When we wake up, we have lights on, we have air conditioning, most of us have cars, we all have clothes, most of us have eaten today. I mean, most of the world can't say that. So American Christianity, there's, there's no challenges to it. You know, the most challenge that we have is that somebody's gonna make fun of me at work or make fun of me at the grocery store because I make somebody say Merry Christmas or, or there's some other value or I put, you know, something else up on my car or, or whatever. Like somebody's gonna make fun of me. That's it. That's the challenge that we have in our lives. Financially, most of us are fine. We can complain. We like to complain. There's, we complain about our work. We complain about politics. We complain about relationships. But we never look at ourselves. We never look at ourselves and realizing that really what we're looking for is Christ. Christ is what's gonna fill the gap that you have in your life. It's not money. I used to have a business and one thing I learned about when you have a business and you have money is all you're doing is chasing to make sure that you know what your money is. And I'm like, well, this isn't fun. Like, I, you know, I wanna be in business to, to do stuff and you just had to make sure you were never getting ripped off. I'm like, I don't want the money then. I pray today that we are willing to cry out to Jesus to change our hearts and to notice our neighbor or the person next to you needs Jesus as well. And maybe you're in here this evening and you notice the person next to you, then 
Be praying. Make a friend. Lift them up to the Lord. See, Jesus is calling these men into full-time ministry, and so he's going to ask them to to give up everything so that they can move into a full-time capacity with him. Why? Because if you know anything about Matthew, you know Matthew chapter 5 is coming up, and you know the whole world is going to change after Matthew chapter 5. The second thing I see is that they responded to Jesus. In verse 20, it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They responded to Jesus immediately. I thought this was funny because it's at once. It's, I wrote in my notes, I don't think I've ever done anything in my life immediately. And just to sit there and go to see Jesus come up and they immediately dropped their nets. And they left. They departed from, the, and to leave him, to depart from one and leave him to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned. And again, we don't understand the culture at this time because in the culture nowadays, you're like, well, I have a family and then I go to college or I go to trade school or I just go get a job and then I start my own family. Back then it was, you had a family and you guys just stayed together. If your father was a fisherman, you took over the business. You guys continued to work it and then your kids would take over the business and then their kids would take over the business and you guys just stayed together. So for them at this point to say, look, we left. We left everything. I left the family business, I left my mom and dad, I left my sisters, I left my friends, I left my dreams, I left my hopes, I had left all those things that I had planned on my entire life because, again, I'm looking for the Christ and I know that I have found him. That stuff doesn't mean anything to me anymore. So as Peter and Andrew are sitting on that shore and they're like, man, are, are we really gonna do this? And then Jesus speaks those words he says, follow me. They immediately just drop their nets and they walk off. Man, we're doing this. We're out of here. Dad, I I love you, but this is it. This is the Messiah. I've got to follow him. To follow is to join one as a disciple. It's it's to become or, or to be his disciple. In this day and age, we know what a follower is. You know, you're on YouTube or you're a TikTok or Instagram or you know, if I was in the youth group, I'd have several other examples there, sports teams, you know, Roll Tide, Alabama, stuff like that. Um, I have a funny story, though, from, from that, um, to be a follower. I've used this before. I think the doctors will recognize this story, but um, 450 Turkish sheep leap to their deaths. Istanbul, Turkey, and this is probably 10, 15 years ago at this point, says, first one jumped to his death, then stunned Turkish shepherds, who had left their herd to graze while they had breakfast, watched as nearly 1,500 others' sheep followed, each leaping off the same cliff. In the end, 450 animals died, laying on top of one another in a billowy white pile. Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and higher, and they all fall, fall more cushioned. There's nothing we could do. They were all wasted. The member of, the, of, the, of one of the 26 families whose sheep were grazing together in the herd was quoted. The estimated loss to the families in the town was around $100,000. Every family had an average of 20 sheep, but by now only a few families had any sheep left. Are you that follower? Are you that follower that's just going to follow anybody to do anything and you just jump off the cliff? 
with the other sheep. I think it was Pastor Chuck Smith who had said one point that, you know, any dead fish can float down a river, but it takes a live one to go up the river, you know? Be a Christian that's alive. Be a Christian that's doing something. Be a Christian that is active in your faith and what you believe in and be alive. Go for it. Christianity is one of the things that the Lord just showed me is Christianity is an action word. Christianity is not meant to be sitting in a pew, continuing to take in messages and not act on what you have learned. You know, the book of James talks about if you have faith, you know, we'll know it by your, your works. Works don't save you, but man, when you have Christ in you, you have no other decision to make but then to love and to do something with it. God has given us all this information and given us this love, and it's like, man, I I have to go do something. I can't stay within my own skin. My wife and I always, we're just busy all the time, and it's like, man, I would rather just burn out for the Lord and know that, man, I lived for God than to sit there and just not do anything. That being said, I need a vacation at some point. A disciple is a student or a mentor of a mentor or a teacher. A disciple is a student of a mentor or a teacher. Currently, I, we would be considered students of Pastor Carl. You know, you might say something like that. You know, Pastor Carl, if he would be here, he'd be like, no, don't, don't say that, don't know. But ultimately, we have the Bible, and he talks about that too. He talks about his job is to, within six months, be a point where we don't need him anymore. He's actively pointing us to the Word of God, saying, look, get in the Word of God, study the Word of God, and then get to the point where you can do your own stuff. You know, you can get the same Bible programs. You can, you can put your own effort into it so that you can learn all about Jesus as much as you want to as well. I, I want to play the guitar. Well, if I really wanted to play the guitar, I would study. I would practice it. I would learn how to play it as much as I could. But obviously, I don't really want to play the guitar because I haven't taken the first lesson. It just sounds really cool, you know? I want the sound cool part of playing a guitar. Number three thing that they did here is they followed Jesus. They became his disciples. And Jesus became their teacher, and they understood the cost. Again, they left their family, they left their business, they left their dreams. They left everything for Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Each one of you has got a plan by God and has got a gift from the Lord to use. Another thing I like is, is that, you know, we each have talents in this room. You guys know the parable of the talents? Um, one was given one, three, and then five. And so it's, it's, not, a, it's not a point of, who has more talents, you've just been given talents, okay? Mike taught here several weeks ago, Mike's talent is being smarter than Kevin's talent, okay? That's fine, I'm willing to understand that. All right, so he's got a five talent. He's used his five talent. Kevin comes up here tonight, I've got a one talent, okay? I'm fine with that. I have to use my one talent. We're not responsible for the talents that we have been given. You're responsible for the investment that you use with your talent, Okay, so don't sit back with the plan that the Lord has given you that he's designed before creation for you to walk in and then not do it. Drop your net. Walk and follow Jesus. Verse 21 and 22, it goes on and says, going on from there after the other two had followed him, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. 
And he called to them, and immediately they too left the boat and their father and followed him. They all responded. So why do I say all this? Well, recently the, the Sullivan clan um, has had lots of changes in the last several years in our life. It was a point of we, we just understood that the Lord was calling us to do different things. About 16 years, we were at church here in town for about 16 years. It was with Pastor Don that I had known from Fort Lauderdale. He was my singles pastor, so it's like a really long time ago. Um, back in Fort Lauderdale. And we had been under his, his teachings for about 16 years. And then we just felt an unsettling by God. Not anything between Don and I, not after I was an associate pastor there, not anything between us at all. It's just at that point in your life, you just understand that it's kind of moving you on. Like there's something that needs to happen here. I had actually taught at a different Calvary and there was a guy that had come um, forward after and, and kind of gave me a word as well too, encouraging me on, on you know, being in the ministry one day. And if you knew anything about my past, I already had a business. I'm like, well, that's nice. That's not happening, but thank you. You know, I appreciate your word. And <laughs> kind of moved on and was like, okay, whatever. And, um, and so just kind of moved on from there. But the unsettling was still there. The unsettling was still there. And so then about three years ago, we, we moved forward as far as going, hey, you know what, we're going to close our business, which was crazy to think as well, too. We got through COVID, so we survived. It wasn't because of COVID, but um, we just knew that that was the thing that we needed to do. Knowing I wanted to be in ministry, then, you know, a couple people talked to me about the job here at the church, and I was like, whatever, man, I'm not going to be a principal. Are you kidding me? Like, what do I know about principaling? And I don't want to be around little kids all the time. Are you crazy? Like... I did that already. My three are gone. You're like, I'm not starting over again here. And so I adopted 109 kids. You know, it's like, what are we doing? So, um, but it's great because I get to send them home with the parents. It's like I'm a grandparent almost. Like, it's really nice. You know, you just kind of, oh, you did something? Let's send you home, you know? And, um, oh, that's in your pants? No, we're going home. So you're done. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. It happens, okay? So principal talk there. Um, so basically what the Lord then did is he just said, hey, Kevin, I, I want you to drop your nets. And so Christine and I didn't, we prayed. And we're like, are, are we really gonna do this? Because then it takes thought. You know, Christine actually was working here at the school. She left the school because one of us had to make some sort of money. And so she went to work in the public school system and so that she could have that. And then I was able to then come on and, and work here at the church as, as, um, as a principal for the school. And can I tell you, I, I love it. You know, there's not a single day that I don't get up and go like, oh, I got to go to work today. This is terrible. You know, I got to see these kids. And actually, I love it. You know, maybe it's my age group that I'm really bonding with. You know, that's really where I need to be at because of the age level that I am. But I get to see the kids every single morning. They're a blast. They're a lot of fun. They've got energy. Um, you just never know what's going to happen that day. It's, it's wonderful. It's the greatest job. I get to minister to 109 kids. We have 18 people on staff. And then I have all these parents that I get to pour into and to love on as well, too. What more could you possibly want if you were going to drop your nets and you wanted to serve somebody? So I say that back to you now. Well, that was my net dropping. And who knows? I may have other ones in the future. I don't know. But are, are you willing to respond in a way when you are looking on that beach, are you looking for Christ? Are you waiting for him to walk on that shore? And are you looking at your spouse? Are you looking at your friend? Are you looking at just yourself going, Man, here comes Christ. Uh, am I going to drop that net? What if he calls me today? What if he asks me today to do this? Am I willing to do this today? 
Uh, you have a choice. I mean, you can be like the sheep and you can jump off the, the hill and then hope that you're not the first one, hope that you're like the 70th one so that you can still live. Or you can make a decision that I'm going to follow Christ, truly follow Christ. Again, they had already met him. They knew who he was. They found the Messiah. So when he calls you into the ministry that he's called you to do, what's the decision that you're going to make? Will you fully follow him? I know that a lot of you are going through different stuff right now, and I'm on, you know, we get the prayer list that comes through as well, too, the emails, and I know there's a lot of illness, I know there's work issues, I know there's relationship issues, I know there's finance issues. Can I just tell you, you're going to have that stuff no matter what. Whether you're in ministry or you're not in ministry, you're, you're still in this world. But things happen. People are not perfect. I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect. My family's not perfect. We live in a fallen world and things break and people get hurt. And the thing that I've learned recently is the reason that it actually hurts you is because you actually care for the people that are around you. It's because you do hurt. When that child has a problem at their home, it hurts me. When I know that the parents are going through a hard time, it hurts me. Why? Because I love them. And Pastor Carl gets up here and he talks about the members of his church that are, that are going through different issues. It, it, the reason that it causes him pain is because he loves you. I mean, it's just those things in life where, again, like I talked about before, is, you know, as Christ continues to change you and change your heart, there's nothing but then that the love and the understanding that then goes back out because I, I do care for those people that are around me. I wouldn't have noticed them before. I'll be honest with you. I've been like, whatever. I just get to go on with my life and get home to watch the football game. You're now like, I, I can't do that. I love that person. They might be your enemy. They might be somebody that you don't love or care for, but, but Jesus does. One other thing I want to encourage you with is, is don't forget the one who called you. Can I repeat that? Don't forget the one who called you. Life gets busy. There are things going on, and I understand that. But don't forget the one who's called you. When he comes along the beach, be willing to drop your net. My conviction in this is years ago, we went to um, a, a church down in the Dominican Republic with a, a mission organization, and <clears throat> there's a pastor down there, Pastor Julio, and um, he had a son that passed away through some gang violence and stuff like that. He may or may not have been doing things that he should have been doing as well, too, but uh, this pastor, instead of taking a point where he was going to then lash out maybe at the gangs or maybe lose you know, his, his testimony as well, too, decided that the, really the problem was, it wasn't the gangs, it's the fact of why the gangs were doing the things that they were doing. I mean, poverty down there is terrible. Um, spousal abuse is terrible down there. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing the, the statistics that you hear down there. So this man who doesn't have the doctorate that many of the other pastors do probably in this country, doesn't have the finances that many of the pastors do probably in this country, he himself, and through this mission organization, has started six different churches at this point. Six different churches. And can I tell you, they're churches that, when they consider them churches, are not just people that show up that day and then leave and then go do whatever. There are six churches that have active members within the church that have received salvation and baptized and have been going there for six months. That's when they consider those people actually saved within those churches. 
complete different culture. I mean, if you ever get a chance to go to another country to go to a church, it's amazing uh, just what you'll see within the church because it's just different from what ours is. You know, it's just amazing. But this pastor also started six churches on, on his own, raised up pastors to be the pastors of those churches. They sent a missionary to Spain, somebody from the Dominican Republic sent a missionary to Spain. Do you understand that? Like, that's amazing, is it not? He also started his technical school. They learned how to do AC work. They learned how to do woodwork and electrical work. So he's taking these guys that are on the street, giving them the skill set to be able to do something, and then sending them out and to do that. While they're having Bible studies, one of the kids that we were talking about, he'd received um, his first check, and he walked him through what he needed to do with his first check. You need to give this amount of money to the church. You need to pay your parents rent for them, allowing you to live in your place. Walked them through the responsibilities now of what they had to do with that. And then there's constant outreaches within the community. So again, so the conviction there is, so what is your goal? What is our goal? Again, if I go back to Ephesians 2.10, we understand that, that we have a purpose here. It's not just to get saved. It's not just so I can watch football on Saturday and Sundays. There's a world that, again, if I'm like the woman at the well, that I'm going to leave that water pot there and say, man, I have got the answer to the question that you've got going on in your life. I have met the Messiah. I've met Jesus. And are we willing to drop our net and to be able to pick up our cross and to walk out into this world? Are you willing to do that? And that's the question I leave with you with tonight. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for, <clears throat> thank you for your word. I thank you more importantly for salvation and just the fact that you saw a wretch like me. And that God, that you were willing to give me salvation. Why? I, I don't know, Lord. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for those that are here this evening, Lord, that maybe there's some this evening that are on the side of the beach that are waiting to see you walk by. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, Father. I pray that they would do that tonight, Lord. For those that maybe have been walking with you, God, and maybe haven't com completely committed like I had, that tonight, again, that tonight would be the, the moment in their life where they give their their life to you, Lord. And for the rest of us that are just sitting on the shore waiting for you to walk by, God, to make that commitment to willing to drop our net, to forget the cost, Lord, and to follow you completely, Lord. I pray that you would give us the courage this evening to do that. Help us not to forget our first love. Help us not to forget the one who has called each one of us, Lord, to do the purpose that you have called each one of us to do. Father, again, thank you so much. Lord, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen.